Thanks to everyone who helped out in the singing and uh, the media team for editing and the whole church for plugging in in different ways through lockdown. Here we are at this moment of perhaps reconnecting with a, re a more whatever world, post pre-lockdown world, going back to work or school. What's the mission statement for Park End Church going forwards from this moment on? It's this. We want to see Jesus lifted high. Now, in John chapter 17, Jesus says, basically, Father, you were singing that story long before the world was ever written. It's your song. You loved me before the world was made. So we want to see Jesus lifted high is a song that the Father was singing about Jesus and the Spirit was singing about Jesus long before we came about. And we've just been made to join in that song. It's the song of the living God. Lift up Jesus. And we get to join in that. What a privilege to show off and display Jesus. What is it to lift him up then? If that's our thing going forwards, what is it to lift him up? Well, growing up, on my bedroom wall, Jürgen Klinsmann was up there, stuck on the wall with blue tack. Um, Marlon Brando was up there. Robert De Niro, he was up there. And you stuck them up high because, boy, did they have high esteem in my eyes. Boy, was I in awe of Jürgen Klinsmann, as I'm sure you all were in the 90s. Um, that's what happens in the Old Testament, in the Bible. If you loved a god, you'd go up to a hill, stick a little idol, stick a little pole, stick a little shrine up there to him to display that he's high up, all above like lower stuff. That's the one. Uh, Jesus is always saying in the Gospels, no, lift me up. Um, don't lift those other gods up. They're useless. They'll be no good to, me, to you. Lift me up and I'll then teach you about my father. Because he just will be expressed through me. So lift me up. So there's that. Like, we all need to be in awe of Jesus and lift him up. But there's another way as well, which is sort of linked uh, to that one. And it's more though in this chapter, when he was lifted up. He was walked up a little hill. And then he was lifted up on two planks of wood. And basically was killed in front of lots of people lifted high up. And my dream going forwards, as it has been in every church I've been at, is lift Jesus high in everything we do. Because church is only church when it lifts up Jesus and shows him off and teaches about him and follows him and obeys him, body, mind and soul and all our songs and events are just feeding into getting to know how wonderful Jesus is. And every single one of us uh, this evening needs to lift up Jesus because we're all imperfect and Jesus is in the business of meeting imperfect people, forgiving them, sorting them out and start getting them ready to meet his father in that perfect world to come. 
So if we do have flaws and failings tonight, of course we need to focus on Jesus because he's in the business of saving and transforming people like us. Of course this church needs to lift him up because it's full of flawed, imperfect people who won't be able to cope in the world to come unless they're forgiven and changed. That's why. Do you remember Aladdin as he fell in love with his girlfriend? Well, the princess. She wasn't called Princess Peach, was she? That's the one that Mario always fancied. What was her name? Um, you're screaming it at the TV now, and it's really frustrating for you, isn't it? But, but I can't hear you. Um, princess Toadstool, that's not her. Princess Diana, that wasn't her. You know what it was. Oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. During the sermon, it'll come back to me. Ah, that's annoying. Anyway, she likes Aladdin, like properly likes him, when he's just being himself and he admits that he's got nothing. He's got no riches. He's got no background. He's got no highly esteemed family history. He's an orphan, I think. He doesn't have any money. He's stolen. He's done mistakes. He's committed sins. She loves that because then she can get to know the real him, share her riches with him, and sort him out, sort out his future. That's exactly what Jesus does. Um, he comes to people who've really essentially got nothing. Not really. I mean, we can all pretend, but at our core, we are not worthy of worship. We are not God. We have no place being anywhere near him. He knows that, but he forgives us and sorts us out and makes us better Children, husbands, church members, church leaders, politicians, um, dustbin men, footballers, in school, whatever. He sorts all that out and makes us more like him when we lift him up. That's the will of the Father. In John chapter 12, Jesus, it's all about his death really. He needs to be saying, my death's going to be glorious because I'm going to rise again like this tree that bears lots of fruit, really healthy, flourishing tree. You're going to be my fruit. You're going to be like me. You're going to listen to me. I'm going to share my resurrected life with you. You can have my Holy Spirit. He's going to teach you about my father as well. You're going to have a Jesus-centered life going forward. That's all John chapter 12. But there's a few things in here which are real corkers for us as we go forward. When Jesus is lifted up, according to this chapter, he shows off his father as glorious. Now, everyone's got an opinion of God. Everyone like thinks God needs to improve in this area, or God doesn't exist, or God made a mistake back in this part of the world, or God needs to do more of this. Everyone you know has got an opinion of God. But actually, it's only Jesus, when he's lifted up, who reveals and teaches about the actual God. All of us love to think God is a bit like us, you know, because we think quite highly of ourselves, really. He'd, he'd be more like me. He'd be patient like me, or he'd exclude that group of people because they have no place in modern world. They're horrible. All that stuff. Now, Jesus is like, no, lift me up, and I will teach you about the real God who you can have. Uh, who you can get to know. I'll have an opinion of him and I'll be lifted up 
and you'll learn a few things about the living God. All right then, I can hear you shouting, what is it that we learn? Okay, we learn a few things. Check this out. In 27, part B, Jesus says, for this purpose I have come to this hour. What purpose? Verse 28a, Father, glorify your name. That is why my death approaches. Then the, father's he the Father hears Jesus' prayer and answers in 28 part B, I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. And he had just glorified his name in the resurrection of Lazarus in John chapter 11 and now he will glorify his own great name that he is the one and true living God and there is no other through the death lifting up on that hill and then resurrection, the lifting up of Jesus from the grave, and then the ascension, the lifting up back to heaven, you're going to do that again. Now here's where it gets really down to earth, because there's something else connected with that, that the Father is displayed about or from. And it's in 31a, judging the world. Now, now is the time for judgment on this world. Basically, right, this event of lifting Jesus up, which happened at Calvary, and we want to do it in everything we do going forwards, it judges the world. In what way? Well, basically, it's like this dividing line now that goes through the middle of planet Earth. And on one side are people that trust in Jesus, love him and follow him, and they were like, we need you in our life and death. So what happened to you here? We need that. On the other side is people who hate Jesus, reject him, and think they can get through life without him and get through death without him and sort out their guilt and sins and do their own little thing without him. It's a dividing line. It judges the world. That event back then judges. And the rubber hits the road and it's down to earth because the children of Park End are going back into school they're to trust Jesus in school. And there are people in school, their buddies, who don't trust Jesus. They don't pray to him. They don't care about his death and resurrection. And sometimes they can get nasty about that. It's a dividing line. And this event shows off that the Father cares about what side of the line we're on. I know Christians whose family members have excluded them when they've become Christians. Their own flesh and blood, as it were, because they now follow Jesus. And they even throw up dirt from that person's past to make them feel bad. Ha! You can never be a Christian. I know what you are like. I know what you truly are. People are like that who might even come to this church. It's a dividing line. I know people who have lost out on job opportunities and pay rises and their families suffer financially because they side with Jesus. It's a judgment on the world, lifting Jesus up. As we lift him up, it's going to be a judgment in this part of Cardiff. Guarantee it. It's going to be a judgment through the Presbyterian Church of Wales. Do we truly trust Jesus? I know a friend, uh, he's a, he was in a country, Vietnam. He preached Jesus and people hated it so much, they ran him over with a lorry and nearly killed him. In the 17th century France, there was a lady, Madame Guon, she wrote a lot about prayer. She got lied about and they threw into prison falsely 
under a lie. But she said this when she was in prison. Strong are the walls around me that hold me all the day, but they who thus have bound me cannot keep God away. My very dungeon walls are dear because the God I love is near. There it is again. It comes right from Jesus on the cross being lifted up through 17th century France, right to this moment, right now. Who are we going to lift up? Some God who isn't Jesus? Ourselves or the Christ? Now, where are people going to go who have had a real tough time following Jesus? They need to come to a Jesus-centered church. They need to know where that church is and what that church is about. It needs to be us because they're a tired, battered, broken, bruised, sinful people, excluded. They need to come here and be with other people who are just resting and trusting in the living God church linked to that look at this that happens when Jesus is lifted up high verse 31 part 2 now the prince of the world will be driven out when Jesus is lifted up the prince of the world is just cast out who's that that's Satan Satan children is a nasty angel who fell from heaven itself because he ended up hating Jesus. And now he's determined to destroy Jesus and church. Everyone who trusts in Jesus, he hates. He knows his Bible better than everyone. He quotes it. He knows it backwards. But the key is, he hates Jesus, so actually he doesn't know anything about the Bible. Um, and in order to get rid of evil and have no part of it, we need to lift Jesus up. And Satan and evil and darkness and scary things, children, they just run a mile from Jesus. He's all we've got to combat evil things or to take refuge from terrifying events. We've just got to cling to Jesus. And Jesus just flung him out. When Jesus was lifted up on the cross, Satan was loving it. What Satan didn't realize was, on the third day when Jesus was lifted up from the grave, he disarmed, or you already done it, but he was showing it off on the third day. He had disarmed all of Satan's tactics and powers and ammunition to spread evil and murder church members and drag them to hell. He can't do that because Jesus has disarmed now the power of sin, death and decay for the church. Satan's cast out. Funny, I used to have loads of like call-outs in my old valley to do with like people dabbling with dark, nasty spirit stuff. And when I got to the door, if they didn't already know me, because a lot of the valley did, but if they didn't already know me, they would look, up, look at me up and down thinking, this guy can't be the minister that we just called for. What's he going to do in my situation where I'm just surrounded with evil? Where's his like big beard and his big black coat and why is he like smiling? Ministers don't smile. That can't be another minister. Proper ministers haven't smiled since 1947. And where's his garlic? Or where's his Latin Bible? Or where's his holy water or his massive crucifix like he's in um, some sort of rap band? I'd be like, yeah, sorry, I am. So first of all, I am sorry I look like Beaker from the Muppets. But the good news is, 
It's got nothing to do with me because I'm not offering myself here to sort out your life problems. I come in the name of Jesus. I will lift up Jesus and he will free you from darkness, Satanism, demonic influence. All of that gets cast out at the name of Jesus. Devils fear and fly. That's why we lift Jesus up. Because there's a lot of darkness in this area. Rich darkness, granted, where people have got everything they want. But they're absolutely lost. And they have no clue what true life is really about. And they are not ready for the world to come. Because all of their riches they've accumulated there now is just going to be dust and rust and rot. Because there, where we're going, there are treasures that last forever. And there's a big clash between clinging onto rubbish treasures in this world and the ones to come. And they do not know yet about the ones to come in Jesus. Truly satisfying, joyful things which don't lead to secret alcoholism, secret cocaine abuse, secret betrayals. They need to know that Jesus is lifted up above that slightly lost, tragic, middle-class, wealthy emptiness. Jesus casts all that stuff out. This needs to be the place where that message is heard. But now, just to end, like we get to the big one. Go to 32, we read it. But I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. When Jesus is shown off, and lifted up, particularly this event, which we love, the cross. The Father really starts to draw people to Jesus, and really starts to draw him. Like, all people just means like all over the world, different tribes, different nations, they all come to Jesus when churches lift him up. Like, some people still will reject Jesus. Judas did. So the drawing there doesn't mean every single human being that is alive will come to Jesus. Some people still reject him, but all can. Here's the word draw. John 6, 44. Jesus says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. So lifting up Jesus, not only does it display like judgment that the Father cares about, whose side you on, that... The Father cares about getting rid of Satan. It also shows that the Father now is drawing people. It's him that's doing it. He's so kind and gracious. And he's like, Jesus, go and get that church member to be. Go and get that dude. Go and get that lady. Go and get that boy. Go and get that girl. Go and get that little baby there. They're all going to be part of our church. I will draw them. That's what's happening. Do you remember in John chapter 4 and there's a lady and she's had terrible relationships and she's probably been abused. She's probably done a bit of abusing. She's tried to find life in the bedroom. And Jesus is like drawing her out in public. Hey, come stand by me by the well. Let's have a chat. She's like, don't draw me out to the well. I can't come here. He's like, yeah, no, come here. No, I'm drawing you. Come here. And then he draws out her whole life story. And she just starts like, well, trying to wriggle out. But he corners her because he knows it. And she starts telling him everything. And he already knows it anyway. And what humans start to do when the Father draws people, when Jesus is their focus, they like just blurge all of their problems out onto him. Because he cares for us. And he deals with it. And he can handle it. Our sin, our lostness, and our shame. Who's he drawing today though? 
John 10, 16. I lay down my life for the sheep, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold, and I must bring them in also. That's like you. That's every Jesus-centered church member alive today. We are now being drawn into that fold as well. That's who. I went on a conference last week. I was reminded of some stuff again. Um, I was reminded chiefly that like, we have nothing to offer other than Jesus. Every church member, like no one will hang around here, really, not properly and flourish unless it's Jesus who's the center. We can't do it. We can't fill that hole in their life. We can't be there their whole with all of their problems all of the time. That's Jesus' job description. And I was reminded at this conference, so many church leaders, like, we get drawn into the complaints department and our whole ministry is just dealing with those whingy people um, in church who have forgotten that church is all about Jesus, have forgotten that they have faults and flaws, have forgotten that they should be serving Jesus in church, and we can all go into the customer service complaints department and spend all of our energy on just putting out the fires in church. Now, there is a place for that. But what there's not a place of is, and I learned this last week, there's about 9,000 people around the church in the local parish. What are we meeting, like 1% of them, if that? And there is no place for firefighting within the church all of the time where 99% of people in our area are going to go through life and not see that Jesus is lifted up and not hear about him until it's too late and they meet him on judgment day. Our energy, and are you going to join me going forward, has to be poured into lifting Jesus up. And we want to tell every 9,000, at least once in our spelling church now, going forward, that Jesus is Lord and he's lifted up and can draw people, all people, to himself. What a worthy endeavor. Let's run Jesus-centered events together for everyone. And we're going to make mistakes. And we're not going to do it perfectly. And we're going to take risks. And some will stick. And some will flop. But we're pouring our energy into the one name that will last above all other names. That dispels evil and darkness and lostness. Jesus! To the 9,000 around us. Children, it starts with you today. Start talking to Jesus more. Read about him a bit in the Bible. It's all about him. Jesus said that. Proper Bible study is when you pick any book in the Bible and say, what's this going to teach me about Jesus? What's it going to teach me about his church that I can be a part of? Any age can do that. Do it with your children's Bibles. Adults, it starts with us. Well, no, back to children. It starts with you then in the playground, just calling out to him in the day for help, for guidance. Cast your worries on him. Remember that he's Lord and he's got you that day in your playground, in the classroom. Starts with the, the teenagers now, if you're heading off to a new spate of school or education, trust in Jesus. That your victories in life aren't about your CV. You can work hard for Jesus, get to know more about your subject because it displays the wisdom of Jesus that he's rooted into his creation here. Starts with us as husbands and wives, as employers, as employees, trust in the Lord for guidance, becoming, with, uh, becoming more like him. Trusting in him every day. So the last bit is, why do we lift Jesus up? 
because it shows that the Father literally welcomes anybody to this church. Not to remain as they are, to repent of sin and become more like Jesus. But he welcomes everybody. So fat, tall, black, white. Well, my, I just had a blank. That's all the categories I can think of. Stupid, bright, educated, addicted, not addicted. You're welcome now to see Jesus with the eyes of faith. Is he lifted up for me? Has he tackled my problems? Can he help me in my life? Is he going to teach me about the living God? Me? It's funny, this came up in the conference. The Apostle Paul, was basic, he wrote a lot of the New Testament. He basically was number 85 on the useful list for God. So Jesus sent out 12 relatively straightforward but uneducated disciples. Then 72 got sent out, so that's 84. Along comes Paul number 85. Why wasn't he first? Well, what you see all the way through Paul's letters are, uh, I was too educated. I, I thought I was too smart. I thought my usefulness was dependent on my grades and passing exams or whether I've got a good job or not. And, but God kept having to humble Paul saying, it's not about that. Look, I'll use anything you've got. Stop trying to show off with your cleverness. My church is for everyone, and we will all be useful in the kingdom of God. There is a place for us all. And I'll humble anybody who thinks they're so clever that they just swan their way up into my presence and all that stuff. No, it's Jesus that gets lifted up. That's the vision. So let's get involved in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.